0: You take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. In our Sunday school hour, I asked this question to open discussion. What kinds of people are hard to love and why? Someone once said, to dwell above with those we love, oh, that will be glory. To dwell below with those we know. Well, that's a different story. (laughs) love doesn't always come easy, does it? especially the people we know the best sometimes they are the hardest ones to love at times but for the believer in Jesus Christ learning how to love has an important and very necessary side effect something I wonder if you've thought about before Learning how to love as followers of Jesus Christ has an important and necessary side effect. I want you to look with me at 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 19 through 24 this morning, and as I read, I want you to notice that twice in this passage, John says, by this we know. He says it once in verse 19, and again in verse 24, know what? By this we know what? What? Verse 19 says that we are of the truth. And verse 24 says that he, abides, that he abides in us. By this. What's the by this? We're going to get into that. We have assurance of salvation by what? And by, by this, what are we talking about? Let's look at the passage together. Look at verse 19 in 1 John chapter 3 and follow along as I read. that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he has commanded us whoever keeps his commandments abides in god and god in him and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us in 1st john we find primarily two main themes there's theme number 1 which is assurance of salvation theme number 2 is love for one another if you've been here for our studies you know that we've seen these themes already and it seems like John keeps circling back to them and he does he does he circles back to these themes repeatedly if you've been here you've may have noticed that already john is primarily addressing how believers can be assured of their salvation and how believers are to love one another and over and over we're being shown that these two themes are in fact closely related. From our study last Sunday in verses 11 through 18, we saw these two main themes connected when we heard John point to one of the proofs of our salvation, which is our love for one another. And he continues with that theme in the verses we just Read one of the ways we know we are Christ's is when we are walking in obedience to God by learning to love one another. Back in verse 10, John points to this connection between your assurance of salvation and your love for fellow believers. Look at verse 10. By this it is evident who are the children of God. And who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Also in verse 14, he points to the connection between your assurance of salvation and your love for fellow believers when he writes, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death and then in verses 16 and 17 we see it again by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers Verse 17, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Repeatedly. As you read 1 John, you're going to find that the Bible connects the evidence of your salvation with your treatment of your fellow believers in Jesus Christ. These two themes cannot be separated. John says it this way back in verse 18. Look at verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. What you are will always be a more powerful testimony than what you say you are. Who you are will always be a more powerful testimony than who you say you are. You can have confidence that you are a child of God when you see the evidence that you're learning to love your fellow believers. Not that you're perfect, not that you always get it right, but you see evidence that you're learning how to love. You can have confidence that you're God's child. That's John's intent, to show us this. The evidence in your life will be that you aren't just saying you love. You are practicing love. You do love out of your love for God and obedience to His Word. You practice, and I mean practice at times. Sometimes it's hard to love. But we see a problem introduced here. There's a problem introduced in the text. What about when your heart condemns you, as we see in verse 20? We're talking about assurance of salvation. But what about when your heart condemns you, as verse 20 points to pastor and author James Montgomery Boyce writes, "...self-condemnation can be due to a number of factors. It can be a matter of disposition. Some people are just more introspective and melancholy than others. It may be a question of health, how a person feels, inevitably affects how he thinks. It may be due to specific sin." It may be due to circumstances, but whatever the cause, the problem is a real one and quite widespread. How is a believer to deal with such doubt? What if this describes you? You find your heart condemning you, even though you look at your life and you believe you're practicing the truth of these things verses that we're seeing here in 1st John chapter 3. What if you do show concern and care for fellow believers in Christ? What if when a fellow believer has a need, you help meet that need as best you can? What if when you see that your relationship with another believer is is hindered or hurting, you seek to mend what's broken? And yet, you still have a heart that condemns you. What then? One of the most troubling doubts that can come into the life of a believer is to doubt that you're God's child, to doubt your salvation. And one thing we learn from the verses before us is that it's possible to be a true follower of Christ and still have a nagging doubt on occasion. Now, how does this happen? how can we be in the faith? How can we be in Christ? How can we abide in Christ and He in us and yet still struggle with doubts? Our hearts can condemn us in a couple of ways. First, there can be times when you experience doubts that are the result of the accuser. You realize that you have an accuser who is working to cause doubts. Read Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 and you're going to learn that Satan is the accuser. He is seeking to accuse you. He doesn't want you to think that you're safe with your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to accuse you. He wants you to think that you're unworthy before God. Fortunately, your worthiness worthiness of God's forgiveness does not depend on your own acts of righteousness. That is not to say that we ought not pursue righteousness. If we're God's children, we're going to want to pursue obedience to God. But our salvation does not depend on our acts of righteousness. Your forgiveness depends on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross on your behalf. That's the gospel you need to hear again and again. That's the gospel that you need to hear daily, sometimes many times a day. So, there are times when Satan, the accuser, falsely accuses you and condemns you before God. But Satan being the deceiver doesn't rest with just that trick. Satan being the deceiver also works to weaken your conscience. 1 Timothy 4 2 shows you that it's possible for your conscience to be seared when it says, through the insincerity of liars, the conscience is seared. That can happen very easily if you allow Satan to convince you that your sins aren't so bad. Now, mind you, he will also convince you at the same time that your neighbor's sins are ten times worse than they really are. But your sins are not so bad. You can allow your conscience to be seared by finding ways to coddle your conscience and to, to comfort yourself in the midst of your sins so that you aren't feeling the conviction that you should feel for your sins. Now that points to another way your heart may condemn you. There can be times when you experience guilt because you're guilty. <laughs> you experience guilt because you have sinned. You may not have an overactive conscience that condemns you, but it may be the work of the Holy Spirit convicting you because you are sinning and you are not repenting of that sin. In either of those situations, the answer to this problem, which John knows you need to hear, is that you must return to putting your hope in God. Go back to the gospel. Go back to what you know from God's word for your assurance Go back to the gospel. You need to learn to be careful about trusting your feelings. You need to ground your heart, your mind, your life, your thinking in the word of truth that never changes. God never changes. And he gave us his word that does not change. You need to be very careful about basing your life on your feelings about trusting your feelings. Sometimes you will feel good about your position in Christ. At other times you may feel hopeless about your position in Christ. But depending on your feelings is dangerous. Other times your conscience is right, and there are times when your conscience is wrong. Following your heart can lead to devastating results. The world around us says follow your heart, but the Bible does not say that. What the Bible says, on the other hand, found in Jeremiah seventeen nine, is that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's why you need to read the Bible. That's why you need to ground your heart, your mind, your life, your thinking in the word of truth so that your thoughts are God's thoughts, the thoughts that his word is training you to think. So you would think rightly about your situation, your condition, even rightly about your sin. When your conscience is correct, you need to confess sin but when it condemns you incorrectly you need to be reassured in your faith and you need the word of God for that you need the work of the Holy Spirit taking the word of God bringing it to your mind to your heart you need to know as John says in verse 20 look at verse 20 again for whenever our heart condemns us God is greater than our heart and he knows everything God knows your heart Are you his child? God knows. Are you guilty of sin that needs to be confessed? He knows that too. And if you've sinned, he brings conviction on you for sin that you need to confess. This you can know. You can know this, that if you're not in fellowship with God, if you're not reading the Word, if you're not seeking God's wisdom for all of life, if you aren't seeking to be obedient, if, if prayer is not a priority for you, when you get alone and talk to God, then you can expect to experience God's Spirit convicting you of sin. If you're His child, He wants you to come back into fellowship with Him. The opposite is also true. John says in verse 21, look at verse 21 again, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have Confidence before God. When you're in fellowship with God, when you're making time for the Bible in your day, when you're pursuing obedience to the Word, when you're communing with God through prayer, you can expect to have confidence in your faith. And when those doubts come, they are vanquished quickly. And you can expect your heart not to condemn you when you do sin and God's convicting work comes, you will know that you need to keep your account short with God. You need to confess that sin. You need to turn from that sin. You need to to walk in obedience to God's Word once again. Your assurance of salvation, your confidence before God is largely dependent upon your obedience, knowing that you're God's child, is largely dependent upon whether or not you're taking steps to obey God or not. That's why John says this in verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. You hear it? Whatever we ask, we receive from Him. I like that part. Hear the rest. Because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. There is confidence before God for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ who does what God desires, what God teaches, what His Word instructs, what His Spirit employs. That's confidence before God. Not that you get whatever you want. That's not what that passage says. It's not that you get whatever you want, but that seen in your obedience to God, you want what He wants. You're making yourself a student of the Word by reading the Bible and taking the Word of Truth and applying it to your life, to your sin struggles, to your decision-making, to your way of thinking so that it becomes His way of thinking in you. And it's not that God is promising to give you whatever you want separated from His wisdom. It's giving you whatever you want when you are guided by His wisdom to ask for the right things. And the blessing of A heart that is confident before God is that confidence leads to fellowship with God. That leads to joy in fellowship with God. That leads to contentment and peace in this life as you see more and more God is at work. And he is using this situation to make me more like his son. You see a heart that is confident before God will be communing with God in prayer. Praying prayers that are shaped by his will shown to you in his word. You want to learn how to pray? Read the Bible. You want to learn how to deal with a lack of confidence in your salvation? Read God's Word. Get before God in His Word. Get before Him in prayer and let those prayers be shaped by His Word. And the results of fellowship with God lead to blessing. You have God's Word on it. John says, Whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. You want God to be pleased with you. I'm, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. You want God to be pleased with you. You do. Because when God is pleased with, with the way you're responding to His Word, taking the Word and applying it to your heart, your life, your attitudes, your speech, your conduct, your actions, and you begin to change even if it's little by little and God is patient. He's pleased. He's pleased. He's pleased. And he's pleased to go in defense against Satan on your behalf. The results of fellowship with God lead to blessing. You can count on it. This is why we can say that your assurance of salvation, your confidence before God is largely dependent upon your obedience to his commands. If you're not seeking to obey His commands, there's a, there's a sign of danger here. There's a road sign of danger that says you, you may not be God's child if you don't care about obeying God's Word. And you should not be confident about what you think is your salvation. But if your heart's desire is to please the Lord, even as you struggle with challenges and, and issues, and we all have sin issues in our lives that we need to constantly face, If your heart's desire is to honor God and to obey Him, He wants you to be confident before Him that that you are His and He is yours. Your confidence before God is largely dependent upon your obedience to His commands. I want you to note how John points to the command to obey by summarizing God's commands in one command. Look at verse 23 again. Note this. And this is his commandment, singular, that we believe in, his name, in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Sounds like two, doesn't it? Just as he has commanded us. I'll read it again. Verse 23, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. This is the commandment. Note that it's singular. John says that the command is believe in Jesus Christ and love one another. That sounds like two commandments, doesn't it? But in God's economy, one and one make one. We're seeing what we think are two commandments, but it's equaling one. It's a challenge to us, isn't it? It's really one. The, the overall theme of God's Word, in fact, is this If you love God, you will love people. If you have given yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will give yourself to learning how to love. Believe in Jesus and love one another. In God's economy, the two are connected. And so John shows it as one command, and we see it that way elsewhere, such as in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. Faith working through love. So what seems like two commands is really one, and it's a real challenge to us, Because faith that is real expresses itself in acts of love. If you're a person who says, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ today, then you ought to be able to look at your life and see how God is growing you, if not challenging you, to grow in Christ's likeness in your love for your fellow believers. Real faith in Jesus Christ cannot be separated from loving God's people. That's why I said last time as we looked at verses 11 through 18 that real love is the sacrifice of self. And that's where we need to begin. That's where Jesus began. The sacrifice of self. It's it's not just being willing to die for someone. It's being willing to live your life for the glory of God. As you learn to love other people, it's being willing to give your life, to lay aside your desires, your passions, your selfish motives, so that you honor God in the way that you learn to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And this helps us when we think about assurance of salvation. How, how are you assured of your salvation? How are you assured of your standing before God? How do you gain assurance when your heart condemns you? We've come full circle here, and John helps answer that question in verse 24. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God. Note that it's not the keeping of the commandments that keeps you bound to God or abiding in God. It's the evidence that you are God's. Whoever keeps His commandments, this is the evidence that you are God's child. Whoever keeps His commandments abides in God and God in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. The outcome of your obedience, not perfection, mind you, the outcome of your obedience Your desire for and the pursuit of obedience to God is that you are assured of your salvation when you recognize it. Why do I want to obey God? Is it to gain His approval? No, I can't gain His approval. That's the gospel. It's all in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have His approval through Christ. I don't need to earn it, but I want to obey God. That is assurance of salvation. I want to glorify God even as I struggle. That is the assurance that God wants you to see. The implication here is that if you don't have this, you don't have forgiveness of sins. If you don't have this, you need to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and to Him alone and, and to st- stop looking at what you have done and what you feel like you've accomplished. Or you might think, I'm, I'm fine. I don't need anything. And God says in His Word that you're a sinner. You've offended a, a holy and righteous God. you need the Lord Jesus Christ because the outcome of your obedience is that you are assured of your salvation because you are Christ and you have Christ in you. The Holy Spirit assures you. But if you don't have this, you need Christ. Abiding in Christ will be evidenced one way. It is that your love for God overflows to people. That is why God has us here. That is why God has placed First Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And so that his people, as we reside in the here and now, as we go to work and we go to school and we recreate and we go do business, we shine the light of the Lord Jesus Christ into the lives of other people who need Christ. As as we live our lives and we love God's people, the world looks on and says, that is supernatural. That's not of this world. I don't see that kind of love anywhere but there with God's people. You see, the presence of the Holy Spirit in you is obvious when you keep his commandments. You won't even have to try and people will know. There's something different. I don't know what it is, but I want to know what it is. Your confidence in Christ is based on the fact that people who are children of God have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will assure your heart. There may be times when you deal with doubt and your heart condemns you, but God is greater than your heart. Paul, in Romans 8 and verse 16, points to the same truth, that the Holy Spirit is the root of your assurance of salvation before God. He writes, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You can rest assured that His Spirit is greater, mightier, faithful. Faithful to assure you if you are His. And if you don't have that assurance, you need to repent of your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do that right where you're sitting today. God's word calls to you to put your trust in Christ if you don't have assurance. But if you're fighting those doubts, if you're fighting those, those feelings that, that your heart is condemning you, you need to take a look at your life. Is your heart's desire to please the Lord? Is your heart's desire to honor Him? Keep obeying. Keep, keep taking strides and steps of obedience before God. But don't obey because you think you're going to earn his forgiveness. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you have his forgiveness. Obey because you love God. You want to honor him. You want to please him. And out of that obedience should grow a growing love for God's people.